big people, one of the biggest people, very, very tragic person, and that's the Eben Ezra. Um, the Eben Ezra was born in, um, in Spain, in a place called Tudilo, not Toledo, Tudilo, Tudilo, Tudilo in, in Hebrew, and he was born approximately in, in 1090, and he died in 1164. The, um, so first of all, like always, we try to give a sense of where I get the information from. So the truth is, it's really a pretty difficult situation. I'll explain why. Um, the, the best monograph written, which leaves a lot to be desired, was somebody, David Kahana. David Kahana was a maskil, a sort of a more maskil. And he wrote stuff on different people, tried to put together something on Ibn Ezra. Um, problem is, a lot of it is guesswork. Let me explain, if you look at all the historical stuff on him, let me explain what is, um, what the problem is. First of all, Devinez himself wrote a tremendous amount of Sfarim. This, we have probably over 40 that are printed that we have. There's probably over 100 that he wrote. He wrote extremely, very cryptic, um, very, very short, very brief. So there are a few little notes about himself that that's clearly, that's historical. That's what he wrote and that's that. Then there's a lot of guesswork. Um, for instance, he writes a lot about India, uh, how they do in India, what they do. Does that mean he was in India? Or does it mean he just read a lot or heard from people? And so on. Um, there's an incredible amount of guesswork based on things that are, could be interpreted many different ways. So I'll try to point out what, what, what's clear and what's not clear. Two, a lot of the stuff was Kisviyadis, and some people will say, well, it says there that he was a Mitzrayim, and then someone else will say, well, I looked at Kisviyadis, three out of four don't mention Mitzrayim, they'd say in foreign lands, in, in, in the lands of um, bad people, and then if one of them is Mitzrayim, it might have been for the census sake or something like that. So it's really very hard to pick out any real material from it, um, because it's not clear sometimes Xaviad. There's a um, there's a work of his that he says he was he wrote in England. Some say the whole work is not true. So so basically, the the, the historical pieces are very very unclear. But I'll try to go through what I think what is clear, and what um, and what pieces are unclear. So he was born in Spain. In the year 1090, 89-90, who are his contemporaries? Who lived during his lifetimes? Derif, Rimagash, Rashi, Rambam, Rabinatam, Rashbam, Rebuda Levi. Those are people that lived during his life. With Rebuda Levi, he had a, a Kesher. Rebuda Levi was also Spanish. They, they, they are things written from each other. They also are serious claims that they were Mokhotanim, that his son, uh, son married Rabbi Levi's daughter. I, again, it's based on somewhat of a guesswork, 
but it's many people consider it to be realistic. But certainly they were close. They 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 were close with each other. He quotes Rabbi Alevi quite a few times. The um, those were the people in whose lifetime he lived. His early years, we have very very little, um, very little written about about from him. It didn't seem to have written anything. We don't seem to have any memory of it. We don't have anything recorded. In about the year 1140 or so. He set off, he ran off to Italy, to Rome. He, um, that, that he writes, and this is where he published his first Sefer, which was his Pirush and Kohelis. The, um, he writes that he went there because of the fury of the oppressor. Very, very not clear what is he referring to. There are two or three broad, two broad possibilities. One is financial stuff. He was very poor most of his life, and we'll see this soon in a poem that he wrote, a quite a famous one about how desperate his financial matzav was. So it could be people that he owed money to, or lack of parnasa. Some say they had a career that supported him, and he was nifter, and he went. Another possibility is, we spoke about it when the Raman was there, there was a Muslim sect called Al-Mahidin who were um, a very vicious um, kind of evan- I don't know if we were evangelicals, right? But they were out to convert people to Islam with a tremendous, um, like ISIS type of people. And um, they swept Spain. The Rambam did run away because of them. Devin Ezra, it, it doesn't work out years-wise, it seemed to be before. That's so historically not clear that that's right. Al Kapanim, he spent his life wandering off to many countries. The countries you know for sure that he appeared in were Italy, different places in Italy, France. Those two countries you know for sure that he was. In France, we know he met Rabbi Tam, we know um, he had interaction with Rajbam. So those two countries are for sure. The places we don't know, and there's a lot of conf- conflict between different historians, are North Africa. Did he stop off there on the way to Italy or not? The Israel, Egypt. Um, some claim he's buried in Israel. Um, so most people feel that that's absolutely not true, not possible. Um, Mitzrayim, was he Mitzrayim or not? Again, it's based on something that he writes about when I was in Mitzrayim, and most editions don't have it, and it seems to have just been put into, in, instead of whatever he wanted to write nasty, just put in Mitzrayim instead. England. England, he actually wrote, there's something called Igeras HaShabbos, that he said, I wrote when I was in London, in this, this day, in this, this time. People contest whether or not Igeras HaShabbos is is true or not. It does quote a lot of his works, but again, these things are very hard because you find these things. Somebody said, I found Xaviad, you believe it or not. But England is a serious contender because if the Igeras HaShabbos is genuine, then it says clearly he wrote it in London, it was England. But he spent his life wandering from place to place to place. Um, it's not clear where he died. His um, there are four places that claim to have a cave of him, and no one knows. That's that's not uh, no. 
He published in his lifetime, like I said, we have over 40 farm published, and probably they, they, they count something like 100, well over 100 as a possibility. What would his farm like? So, first of all, a, a lot of this farm had to do with Diktuk. He was very much into Diktuk, argued with different people. He also translated many Diktuk works that he brought to France. France was, um, they did not have, they didn't care much for Diktuk, they weren't into it. He really opened up the door, he published all sorts of works on Diktuk. That was one area he liked publishing a lot. Two, he was very, very into astrology. He felt that he had bad luck. He felt that astrology, he, he believed in astrology, and he published many, many works dealing with astrology. Um, astrology, things of that nature. Finally, he has one sefer that deals with, um, it's called Yesoid Amaira, which deals with Taimeh Mitzvahs. It's, it's sort of a collection of everything he wrote in, the, in his Pirush. We'll get that in a minute. And plus a little bit of additions. He also was very big into the mystery of numbers. And like all sorts of numer number tricks that you show you how different numbers have different mystical connotations. Idarsh and Shem Hashem, how you can do that through numbers. Very into that. Those were the end, and he wrote song books, and he wrote piyutim. Um, a lot of we have quite a bit of piyutim, and uh, in general songs, poems, and things like that. Though that's what we have. That's all besides his pirush, his pirush on chumish, and his pirush on most of Tanakh. One or two, one or two Sfarim we have in Tanakh are not his, not his peerish, one or two we don't have, but most of Tanakh he wrote his peerish on. Um, he was, he was brilliant. Besides the fact that it's clear he knew the sciences of his times and everything else, his peerish on Chumash for many was a starting point. Um, the Ramban argues with him a lot, but Rabban treats it royally. This is, this is what Devanezza says is the first station, and I can disagree vehemently with it, but Devanezza's Pirish is very, very important, and you can't take a step without it. So Devanezza was considered to be the primary Pirish on Chumash when it comes in terms of Digduk and extreme Pshat. That was the go-to Sefer. And therefore, everyone came off that safer when they were talking about tiktok words, and so on and so forth. Um, who are the G'daylim that he had interaction with? First of all, um, Rabbeinu Tam. He met Rabbeinu Tam, and Rabbeinu Tam was very enamored with him, and they wrote a poem to each other, just so that you get a flavor. His poems are extremely short. So first of all, Rabbeinu Tam brings him in two places. Uh, Tosis brings him in two, three places. He brings him in Rosh Hashanah, Dafid Gimel. Uh, it's a shail over there about, it, it's a shail on Dash and Psukim. But he says that Rabbeinu Avram Ezra asked me the following, and he, um, <coughs> and, and it's had a Dash and Pasuk, it's, it's in Tainus, it's in Kedushin. 
And one more interesting place that Ebenezer is brought in Teisvis. Teisvis speaks in, in Tainus about being mechana shame to someone else. You know, it's calling somebody by a nickname. So Teisvis says that when, a nickname is only a genai. It, it's only if, if, you know, it's a name like Fatty or something like that. But a family name, which was unknown in France, he said is okay. He says like whose whole family calls themselves Ibn Ezra. So that name is a kinui, it's not the proper name, but that certainly is a nice name, and it's certainly nothing, you know, it's, it's, it doesn't go into Mechan shame. So he mentions it, and, and Rabbi Natam was familiar with him. A, um, a poem that they wrote each other was, the Rabbi Natam wrote, Rabbi Natam was also a grammarian, by the way, and he wrote, say, for Dikduk, he, he wrote things in Dikduk, so it goes like this. I just have to find it. Um, he says, Echod Vishtachavir. Okay. He writes, Avi Ezri Yeshivu Safov, Ashenosin Yedidur Ben Agafov, Ani Eved Lavrom Lemikne. I'm a servant of Rom, you know, at his beck and call. And I bow to him. And Avenezer answers him that a few lines, but he ends it. That a Malach should bow to Bilam. And again, it's a play on, on, on the Malach and Bilam. But Al Kopanim, they, they, they were friendly with each other, and this is from his trip in France, where he got to know each other. Um, so, those were the works that Ebenezer wrote. His Pirush on Chumash, like I said before, is, in, is fascinating for a few reasons, but I want to leave that a little bit for later. First, I want to speak about the people he met. So, he met the. the, the um, <coughs> He met the 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 Rabbi Natam. Um, he met the Rashbam. He also Rabbi Levi. The the uh, Rashbo lived much later. Brings a letter from um, Rabbi Yadia Badashi, who lived in Provincia, and he says that when when um, Devin Ezra came. To uh, he, he said he's heard it. <coughs> it's it's a tradition handed down. You know, it's another generation that when he came to France, he opened everybody's eyes up in Pshat and Chumash and so on. So so those are live references to people in with Ezra, and they had tremendous um, respect in their hearts for him. There's a, 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 a tale, and I guess probably a fairy tale, about him meeting the Rambam. Um, unfortunately, like all these stories, it's, it's the nicest story of all of them because it's not hampered by any facts. So you can just, it, it, it's, it's a stuff made for a movie. I can tell you what the story is. It comes from nowhere. It, it comes from, I mean, it's written in many places. It comes from no place. <laughs> that Venezuela set out to go to the Rambam. So one place already was more advanced. 
he went to the Rambam's hospital in, in France, or in, when the Rambam had asked in France, not quite clear, but the, 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 um, whether they took whether they took his insurance or not, he didn't have much insurance. I, I, you know, I, I don't know. But it goes, as soon as the Rambam saw him coming, he told his servant immediately he should, they should take the Ebenezer and lock him up in his basement in a tiny room. <coughs> and the only thing I should give him is a glass where to cry into. And the poor Ebenezer, they, they put him into his jail, and he sat there sobbing, and, Ebene- and the Rambam asked, every few minutes he told this guy to check to see if the glass is full with tears, and as soon as he said it's overflowing, he said, fine, take him out, release him. And the Rambam explained that because um, when a person very, very much yearns for somebody, there are little worms that get created in the eye that can blind you, so when you cry a lot, it comes out in the tears, and then once the tears fills up this, that was the prescription, and that, that undid him, and so on and so forth. Then he hugged him and kissed him, and chulo v'chulo. I mean, it's, it, you know, Leirin and riot. it's, you know, we, it's, you, it, the denying that a story is true is very difficult, but um, I leave it up to your discretion. If, I, I, before anything else, it, it, we don't have any mention of the Rambam ever meeting him, we, we don't have any, any uh, sense of that, why we should assume that. And the whole story is, is, is uh, you know, it comes from nowhere and it's nothing. So you, you can conveniently disregard the story and so on. But it's, it's a story you'll, you'll come across a lot of times because it's, it's of all the stories, it's the one that's, you know, that's easy to tell kids if you need, if you need to spend a half hour with them or something. <laughs> the, um, that, now, there is, the Rambam did write the following to his son, also contested. Let me tell you, the Rambam wrote, there's a letter from the Rambam, one of the Igris. The Rambam writes to his son, he should learn Chumash only with the peers of Ben Ezra. And he should, um, and, and that's an amazing peers. Very, very Mishabech Ben Ezra. It, it does make sense. However, the Marshal doubts the veracity of that particular Igeris and Igris, and I'm not sure that it's accepted today as one of the genuine Igris Rambam. But that's something that um, might be true, and it, and it might, it's plausible in terms of, 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 the, of, the, of him. So, he spent his life wandering all these places. He was very poor. There's a, there's a famous poem that he wrote describing how difficult his muzzle is. And he writes like this. He says, the, the Galgal and Mazolis um, stopped when I was born. In other words, no, no Mazel crossed my path. If I were to sell candles, Luye Neirois Schirasi, Luye Osef Shemeshat Moisi, the sun would never set. If I, he said, I try very hard Matzliach and I can't because my, my life hasn't been blessed with stars. If I were to be a seicher of shrouds, nobody would ever die in my lifetime. That was the, the, the way he said. And then he writes about his efforts at fundraising. He says, Ashkim lebeis hasar, if I wake up in the morning to go to the, the, the wealthy man, they told me he's, he's gone to, for the day, he's gone for business already. If I come back in the evening, they say that he's already gone to sleep. He's either off and away, or 
or he's on his bed. Oyle ish ani, woe unto a poor man, who was born without a mazel. So this typified his life. He was very poor. He, he was not, Epinosa was always, always a very difficult issue for him. His children died in his lifetime. We don't know much about it. We do know he had a son, Yitzchak, who died in his lifetime. There is also some sort of, and again, not, not easy to ascertain if it's true or not, that this Yitzchak at some time in his life had been converted to Islam, but reconverted to Yiddishkeit. Um, maybe, maybe not. But the one thing is, is clear is he died in his father's lifetime. And his father wrote a very heart-wrenching letter about how he had hoped that his son Yitzhak would be a comfort in old age. Now he's left alone and nothing and so on. The, the years of wandering were interesting. What was the most productive years? Um, but it took a terrible toll on him. And he writes about it. He says, I am an old man worn out from travel. Um, his nusach is... Nedoid heiser oini. The wandering has removed my strength. Vehivil rayoinai and has upset my thoughts. Vesom it's it's made my mouth and tongue asurim bezikim chained. In other words, I just don't have what it takes anymore to write. Lefone bin urim when I was young, hachinoisi shirim, I prepared songs. And I put it on the necks of the Jewish people like necklaces. Wherever I lived, I made Sfarim. I explained secrets and, and so on. And he says, but now he says, um, I'm down. And an atan and a falti, I fall in la office flossi down to the very ground. Visachnuni palti, and I beg tachnunim le kelmi mamakim from a karishbarhu. And then in Parshas Yisro, he starts by saying, Vavram zakin kaif noidid miken. I have become old like a bird who's wandered away from his nest. So he suffered a lot through his wanderings. His Pirish and Chumish, so, so let's go through a little bit about the Pirish and Chumish. Pirsha Chumish A is extremely cryptic, it's short, and if we've, those of you who've been sometimes at the Shir and we've done Evan Ezra, it's not easy at all to, um, f- to figure it out. It's, every word counts. He has an amazing way of writing with very few words. Just like we saw these poems, I don't know if you got a sense of the Hebrew. If I can give a marshal to, to what it's like, um, if you ever see, you see sometimes a big painting where a person invests a lot of smearing and colors and so on. Sometimes you have somebody extremely talented who takes a pencil and makes three lines and it looks like a person. And it's amazing because you say to yourself, there's three lines here, and yet I get a sense of the person. Devin Ezra is extremely sparse with his words. Very. And you see, it's, in two words is a sentence. And the same thing is true in Chumash. Two words is a full sentence by him. And it, you have to break your bra- brain on it, but it, 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 you, you, you realize what he's saying. So his Pirush on Chumash is very focused on Pshat. 
He writes in his Akdomitis Pirishan Chumish that there are four drachim on being Mefarish Chumish, all of which he dislikes, and he's the fifth. <laughs> so the first derech is the derech of the Christians, which make an allegory. I'm, 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 I'm going in different order. He writes in different places. But the, the Christians made the entire Old Testament an allegory. They had a problem. The Christians had a problem that the Old Testament doesn't stim with the New Testament. So they pass in like the Basra, and they say that the Old Testament is only a marshal for the New Testament, and everything, you, you darshan everything to make sense, Kafi. And Bimela, a lot of things, Soren Hugger is a remis for, 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 for Yeshua and his mother, everything like that. And the mitzvahs, that's how they get rid of the mitzvahs. The mitzvahs are simply meant to be understood as an allegory form. That's one derech. A second derech are the karoyim. Karoyim were extremely active in those years. They were a viable body. And they were mefarish the Torah, it, 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 the way it reads, literally. Devin Ezra lashes out sharply against them. And Devin Ezra also writes about vikuchim, arguments, debates that he carried on with stukim. And, all, and, and, and he writes how in all of them, he simply, that Stuki left speechless because they couldn't answer him. And we, we've seen it in Chumash, he has one on, on Kiddush HaChodesh and, and Moadim, he has one on Chelev and stuff like that. He shows, he shows them up. So the second derech is the Tzdukim. He does quote Tzdukim in his Chumash, in his Parsha. And most of the time, he says some nasty remark. He, he sort of pushes them away. There's one stuki that, interesting enough, he quotes and will sometimes <coughs> go with the Peshat. He said, somebody named Rabbi Shua. Again, we don't know who they say. He was a Karoi. Not stuki, Karoi is the right word for him, sorry. And, um, he, uh, and he seems to go with him and so on. The third Peshat that he doesn't like is the Frum people, the Goinim, who put much of the world's chachma inside it. In other words, they put philosophical ideas and a lot of things. They're okay, mitzad hashkafa. And he basically said, why do you feel the need to put it into chumish? Doesn't, you know, the chumish stands on its own. It doesn't need drushes. And like he said, somebody wrote three sfarim on the first passion breaches. He said, that's, that's absurd. Finally, he says, the people who bring the medrashim of Chazal, and he says, I don't stand the point of it because you can learn the Medrash. Why do you put it into the Pasi? And he says, he's the fifth Derech, which is the, the, to go straight to Pshat. He will say a Pshat in the Pasik, even if Chazal darshan it differently, whether in Halacha or in Agada. Many times he'll do that. And this was made it a bit controversial. But many, many, many places he'll say, this is the halacha, and there's no, there's no uh, second guessing the halacha. But there's a room for pshat. In other words, it, it, the, the, the drushas in Agada and halacha, he accepted, except that he also felt this, there's a chelikatari called pshat that has nothing to do with the drush. And this, he quotes Rashi, and it's one of the reasons he doesn't like Rashi, for that reason. He quotes over 40 people in his in his Sfarim on Chumish. Um, the, mo- the one that gets quoted the most and probably argued the most is Epsad He quotes Epsad a lot, argues with him very strongly, 
um, quotes Rashi a few times and argues with him as well, and, and many others, some of them, many we, we don't know who they are, just, just quotes them and, and argues with them. But his focus is Pshat, the way it comes out from the diktuk of the Psukim. It's not, it's, it's not that the Halacha doesn't stand true, Halacha Lamaisa. And not that the drush is not true, but there's a derech called pshat, and pshat needs to be learned like pshat. That is the the takeif of his of, of his works and so on. There's one area. There's one thing that he says that became extremely controversial, and we'll try to explain that this. It's a, it's it's a parsha gedola in his writings. In the beginning of Dvarim, he says, on the first few psukim. If you understand the secret of the Yudbeis Psukim, of Yudbeis, I think, of the 12, like, and he quotes a few other Psukim, then you'll understand something about this, 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 this Psukim. He includes the last Psukim in the Torah and the beginning of Dvarim, a few others. The common denominator of all these Psukim sounds like, looks like, except for one, I think looks like these were psukim that were written later. They sound like editorial interjections into the Torah. Vaknani Osbaretz is saying, and at that time the Knani was there, it's, it, it sounds like it's written by somebody later who's put in there. There are 12 like that. And that's, that's all he writes to Ebenezer. Um, Spinoza Shari said, obviously Ebenezer believed the Torah was written much later, and these 12 psukim are a giveaway, and he was afraid of his job, or whatever it is, so that's why he writes it like a secret. That was, and many later Apikarsim, were told that this is what Ebenezer meant. Um, there are many reasons why, um, why this is absurd, but one of them, and I think the strongest one is, the Ramban, wherever the Ibn Ezra says something that he feels makes light of Chazal, the Ramban l- lays into the Ibn Ezra really strong. That thinks he's a Chacham. Very, very strong. I mean, his Lashainus, wherever, wherever he feels that he writes someplace, I wouldn't have explained it, but this person thinks he's a big Chacham. He doesn't. The Ramban is extremely, extremely sharp at Ebenezer Ezra when it comes to these things. He says nothing over here. And if this even had a Tzad to mean it, there's no way he would not have answered it. More so, Debenezer himself goes against someone else who says something like that. Someone else says something like that. Nebuchadnezzar is very strong. The Chassashon was a, a parish that came later and this and that. Very, very strong about it. Um, and what seems to be the, 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 the peerish, so, so many of the have wrestled with it. Um, the, the pshat that's come out from places that seem to be, and it's supported, it seems to be supported by the other places in Debenezer, is these were written al derech nevuah. In other words, just like the Gemara asked the question, who wrote Vayamas Moshe? And the Gemara says, Moshe wrote it bidema, meaning there are 12 places in the Torah where Moshe wrote it as an editorial attachment. In other words, it's written 
al derech hanevuah as an editorial, so to speak, the tzura and the signon of it is I comment on something that's happening. It seems that seems to be the, of, of the different pirushim that seems the best um, way to explain it. There are some that say that this was uh, an addition by some later Talmud Toya. I don't. Once you start like that, it's hard to know where to stop. Um, the the uh, the Chidor brings it as a Derech Efsha that maybe um, you know he, he saw somebody says that and if that's true it's, it's very helpful because all the places in Ebenezer that make us uncomfortable we can say it's a Talmud Toya and that's that it, it, it's, it's problematic to go like that it, 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 it's true that we don't have a clear you know, manuscript that, that we can say exactly as the manuscript be made. But you can't just say every place you're not pleased with it that it's Talmud you can't, you can't do that. So, so Al-Kapanim, that's, that's an area that was very controversial. So the general Ruach, where he doesn't go with Chazal everywhere, um, that's one. And the second area is this, this famous one in Dvar. Um, this Igeras HaShabbos that he wrote, or didn't write, is interesting. It seems to be, he writes like this, Th- this is what's written in the Yeras HaShabbos. I was sleeping one Friday night and I saw he had an, a, a vision that in his dream the Shabbos came to him and told him, you know, that they're being Mechal Shabbos, you're not doing anything about it and so on and so forth. And he, he said, you, ha- you just got a safer in your house that, that is Mechal Shabbos and, and so on. And, and he got up and he saw the safer and it says that Shabbos starts in the daytime and finishes, you know, the next day, that it's the day and the night, and he wrote a whole contrast against it. It's similar to what he's written in his Sefer. The, 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 what seems to be is the Rashbam writes a Pshat like that, also the Rashbam also tried to go there a Pshat, and he says it's famous Rashbam, the article took it out in, the, in their edition now, but Tachlis Rashbam does write something about the day and the night, um, and this seems to be in the against it. It's where he wrote that it happened. The dream happened was in London, and this is he wrote it. I, I, so it has been contested. So I don't, I can't, I don't have the kalim to say how how much it looks like Jane or not. I'll go upon him. So Devinezra himself was, in many ways, the the the, the, the most important pirish on Chumash, al derech hapshat. Um, he he preceded everybody else. His, his use of language is extraordinary. There's nothing like it, nothing similar to it. It's um, his ability to use few words to paint a big picture is incredible. His Pirish on Chumash also discusses somewhat philosophy, but it's not easy because it's cryptic. His philosophy seems to be um, it's not it's not the classic philosophy. There seems to be a lot more from it. You know, it's it's kind of it, it, it's it's not the, the it's it, it has its own flavor to it. He writes a lot about the Shemus Hashem, Elikim and Havaya, and the difference in the two. He's really myric with that. He also includes a lot of elements of mysteries of of numbers. He was a, he was fascinated with different numbers that had different properties and so on. Nine was a number to him that was very extraordinary and others and he tried to show different things with it. Um, he fought very strongly against the Karoyim and that you see he, he mentions them and keeps knocking them. 
he felt that there was room for another derech and pshat. Um, the Chidot says that he saw somewhere, somebody quote Chidushim that he wrote on Masech Tzashas. He, he's never found them, but it was quoted in a Sefer. So that's interesting. He was a very broken person. He was a person who spent most of his life wandering, his older years wandering, for whatever reason was. He, he, he knew no menucha. Um, his, his pain and so on spoke through his, his poems, even though the poems are short, but they, they, they stab and they kind of are very, you know, they haunt you. Some of his piyutim are extremely beautiful. The, the, the piyut, that's the Friday night, there's a piyut that's sung, Ekele Chod Barani, Ve'omer Chayoni, Libi B'Soy Ranel Kel Choy, is a, um, is his. The Chassam Seifer says it's clear to him that it was written Ruach HaKadosh. Despite the fact that he seemed to be a kind of uh, different flavor, almost every Chassidish Godel quotes him. There's nobody that doesn't quote Devin Ezra, despite the fact that you know he was of a different cut. Um, he brought grammar to France. There was no real Hebrew grammar, and he was he wakened them to the to the nuances of grammar and so on. That was something that was very very interesting. Um, his um, piyutim, like I said before, have become models for clarity. He writes very sharply in Kohelis, a long arichus against the piyutim of Lezakaler. The piyutim that we have are mostly Lezakaler, the nusach we have in Davening. He writes very sharply against it with a lot of, <coughs> a lot of mockery. He could be very, very cynical, very sarcastic. And he, like, he makes up um, a, a quasi-piyut that of his own to be similar to others and very contorted, convoluted. His points are Anjiknes Agdolo Masakin Tefillah. That Tefillah is straightforward, beautiful, means what it says, says what it means, and and isn't twisted and turned and all around and so on. The the fact that the Piyutim have so many medrashim, the fact that they make extremely <coughs> liberal use of the language, you know, twisting it and turning it however they want. The fact that you don't know what they mean when you're saying it, those were things that he attacked very sharply. Um, the morale, in turn, attacks him very sharply and uh, answers the Paitonim. But Akaponim, it's, it's Ali Dov. I'll just finish with one poem that he wrote. Very heart wrenching. And again, he, he had a sad life, a difficult life. He said, The memory of my name will be my signature. Acha asha oshuv ladmosi. Once I return to my earth, to the earth, echtoi veskira, I write and remember, hachiyodi tichle, that my hand will disintegrate, v'tishoy raksivasi, and only my writing will remain. He um, was somebody that his writing did remain, and as mysterious it is to us, and as cryptic, but in in pas- in in learning. He is the Aleph. He's the one that, that is the, definitely stands as the, as the cornerstone of it. Um, despite the fact that it was very unusual in many ways, the Harocha that the Gdolom is Knepergom had for him was extraordinary. You see it in the letters they wrote about him and to him and so on.
even the people who argue, well, I, I, take the Ramban. The Ramban is, argues with him. But the fact that he always mentions the Ben Ezra as a starting point, the fact that he quotes him so approvingly so many times, or certainly as a worthy opponent, says something about him. Um, and even the places we argue very sharply, that was the Derek Rishayim was, they would argue sharply. But the, the, it, it, that itself tells you what it's about. Um, the fact how the, the Rajpur brings down, and the fact that the, and the, uh, the, the, the Rabbi Nathan and all of them, um, meant that despite the fact that you know, people sometimes looked at Ebenezer as being somewhat different, al um no one doubted the fact that he was one of the giants. And uh, it's something to, uh, I guess, to, to, to understand where he fits in that extraordinary gallery of, of Gedola Olam. His yard site is Beis Adar, uh, and uh, his, um, I, I, I guess the, his point about his hand disintegrating and his writing being left over, I think it's a poem for everybody. Um, every person, he will be gone. What he's accomplished will stay. And it's something he says, I will remember always that the hand disintegrates, but the writing remains. Something to, to take as a shtickle musahaskal.